Hello, everybody. It is Saturday, May 14th, 2022. And once again, I have the honor, the privilege, and the pleasure of welcoming you to another episode of the Ordinary Podcast, Polynerdic.com's weekly nerd-centric life and culture podcast for adults. As always, I am your ordinary nerdy host, Shad. And this week's episode, episode number two. 158 if memory serves yes it's episode 258 you figure i'd know these things before we get started uh it's gonna largely be about the multiverse of madness uh, I, I did get to see it last week as i said on last week's show saw it first thing saturday morning so i have some thoughts i've been thinking about it all week uh, and then but before that we're gonna discuss you know the usual sort of nonsense um that's been going on and of course um there's been plenty of it hasn't there in my personal life um apart from my non-date with my best friend chelsea i have had one of the best weeks i've had in forever um and nothing's changed um, I still am not a fan of my job. I still am broke. I still am sleeping on an air mattress, not a bed. I still sleep alone. I still live alone. Um, nothing's changed on the exterior. Uh, but internally, I have felt great for what would now be 10 straight days as of this recording. Um, I don't know what switch flipped. I guess therapy last week did it for me. I don't know. Um, I just feel great. And I am thrilled to continue to feel great um, in spite of everything, in spite of all the bullshit, in spite of all the stuff going on in U.S. politics, in spite of all the stuff going on with capitalism and, and price gouging with gas and, and you know, Making more per hour than I have in my entire life, but having less money than I've ever had. All of that stuff. All the heartbreak and the frustration and the rejection and what would normally be sadness um, is just kind of rolling off me like water off a duck's back. Uh, And I am grateful. I am incredibly grateful for it all. Not the struggles themselves. But the fact that I feel great in the midst of it all. After so long of, of, you know, you know, 10 months ago, I went to the hospital on an emotional break and life kind of fell apart and it's been an up and down, up and down, up and down, but I feel fantastic and, um, I just wanted to open with that, you know, because we often talk about our mental health on here. Uh, It is a life and culture podcast, and um, I have never shied away from discussing what's going on in my personal life, Um, the good and the bad. So we uh, are doing fantastic. I am doing fantastic. Um, I have not streamed all week uh, since last weekend. Uh, this weekend is going to be the same sort of setup um, where I um, 
yeah, six days ago was my last stream. Um, this week is going to be the same sort of setup where I am going to handle some business in the morning. I'm not going to, unfortunately, I'm not going to have the fun I had last week. Uh, I have to go to the bank when they open. I had to make a stop at the grocery store. Um, I'm thinking about taking my recycling to the recycling bin, uh, which is several miles away. Because um, I have a lot of cardboard from the move still sitting around. Some cardboard and plastic that I, I need to dispose of. And I don't just want to throw it away. Um, but yeah, it, uh, it's, it's been a pretty good week, you know. In spite of everything, I've, I've had a fantastic week. Uh, other than the heat, that's one of the reasons why we haven't streamed this week. Because I've played a lot of Elden Ring this week. And I've wanted to stream a lot of it. Um, but it's just been so fucking hot um, in this apartment. I'm trying not to turn the air conditioner on. And the only way to not turn the air conditioner on and not sweat to death is to, to, to be half naked and... You know, Twitch Terms of Services and probably your personal taste doesn't want to see my 39-year-old uh, pasty, flabby, nerdy ass in next to nothing uh, sweating. Um, and I don't want to remove the face cam either. So, uh, you know, we end up with this situation where it's like, okay, I guess I just told stream. Uh, I have not progressed the game story-wise, um, main story-wise. I, uh, I kept it to exploration and, and, like, clearing dungeons. Like, last night, I, um, I, I like pronouncing them Evergals, but the, the Everjails, um, the little sealed portal things that you, you'd go into and then you fight, like, a tough boss-type character, um, I went around and I cleared all the ones of those that I have, uh, encountered i did some rune farming uh because that's always fun uh, there's a really nice spot down in caleb where you can just get like eight thousand runes in like five six minutes and do it over and over again um so i'm like level 75 now um we'll probably stream later tonight uh once we get into the cooler part of the evening and uh you just stream for a couple hours. Tomorrow we'll be back with our morning stuff. Because uh, it's not like I have to go to the bank or anything tomorrow morning. But, um... That game is just so good. I never thought I'd be someone who was like, This Souls game is amazing! Because, um, like I've always said, I've, I've always fallen off of them in about 10 hours. And I'm at the cusp of like 60 hours right now with 50 or 60 hours uh, I think it's 60 um, so when we stream next the next installment of the stream will be uh, kicking off with the uh, star scourge which is named Rahadin uh, we're going to fight him um, that's where we're at with the game um, Animal Crossing still playing it uh, this war of ours, still playing it from time to time. Um, you know, just kind of working through the back catalog because, like, 
not a lot of stuff out right now that I really want to play. Not a lot of stuff that I want to buy full price. Like Dying Light 2, dying to play it. Don't want to pay 60 bucks for it. Um, Resident Evil 8, don't want to pay 60 bucks for it. Uh, you know, I'm still playing on a, a an old Xbox One, so it's not like I'm getting like the best possible game there. Anyway, um, so I'm just you know working my way through my back catalog. I, I got a lot. I got old old uh, Tomb Raider games to play. I've got uh, Lost in Random on the Switch to play. I you know I'm working through some stuff. Um. I think that's all I did video game-wise. Watching-wise, I, I it occurred to me the other day, I seen a, a tweet that was like, the last show you watch is the world you're going to live in for the rest of your life. How's it turning out for you? And it's like, I haven't watched a show in for... I can't remember the last show I watched. I can't remember the last show I watched an episode of. Because I just don't watch television or Netflix or... or um. Like I haven't seen I haven't seen Moon Knight yet. Um, I haven't watched. Well, shit. I guess I I guess the last show I watched was The Book of Boba Fett. Uh, because unless you count stuff like Critical Role, a show, because uh, then I could say I, I live in Alexandria, uh, because that's the last show I watched. Um, because that's literally, if I'm not working on something, if I'm not streaming, I'm listening to the Black Dice Society, um, Critical Role, Reckless Attack. I started listening to that. There, you know, there's all the uh, Rivals of Waterdeep. I haven't listened to it in a while, but it's on the list of stuff I listen to. You know, I listen to all these D and D shows, actual play shows, uh, but. You know, it's always the thing is always not what's the last show you watch; it's the last television show you watch. Um, you know, like I'm looking at right now on my screen a, a story from Nerdist about the big bad of season four of Stranger Things is uh, they've dubbed it dubbed it Vecna, as if it's the uh, the lich from D and D because you know that's for those of you that don't know, that's what they've done every season in, in, in Stranger Things is, you know, the, the, the monster in the first season, they called it the Demogorgon, even though that's not what the Demogorgon looks like. Um, I forget what they called him in season two. Uh, but, you know, uh, season three, I think it was like a mind play or something. You know, it, it's... That's what they've done every season, is relate the monster of the day, monster of the season, to, um, you know, a, uh, to a, uh, particular D&D monster. Um... I just don't watch TV anymore. That's that's the 
that's the, that's that's the root of the conversation I was just having before I lost my train of thought. Um, Doctor Strange. We're gonna talk about spoilers for Doctor Strange now. So let me write down this timestamp here. Well, I would, but I don't have an ink pen ready. Hold on. Give me a second. This is why we don't do video. Because I'm a disorganized mess and you don't need to see my face and my flailing about while I look for things um, while we record. Um, we're going to say at 12.45 is when the spoilers start. So I wanna, I'm going to put the timestamps in the thing so that way you know what part of the show to skip if you don't want Multiverse of Madness spoilers because i i gotta I, I gotta talk about this before we move on to anything else um i really liked it uh i have really liked most of the marvel movies obviously uh we've talked about them before i used to do the every time i saw a new one i would reorder my list you know drop the new one in somewhere um i still think Winter Soldier is probably still my favorite. Endgame gives it a close run. Um, I didn't really care for the first Doctor Strange movie. If I remember my list, uh, the original Doctor Strange is really, really, really close to the bottom. Um, I will pull it up. I'm sure I have posted something about the MCU before, repeatedly. Um... Yeah, I haven't revised my MCU ranking since 2017 with Thor Ragnarok. So, um, but I didn't post the article about it. I didn't like write it out. Um, so let me see if I could find one where I actually wrote it out where I could see it. Yeah, the last time I posted it in written form, not talked about it on the podcast, was May 8th, 2016, fittingly enough, six years ago. Uh, and that was when there was only 13 movies. Um, but I'm pretty sure the last time I did it, Civil War... No, Winter Soldier was number one. Civil War was in the top three. Um, because the thing is, is I have nothing against the Doctor Strange character. I've said it repeatedly in various conversations. I think, um, my experience with Doctor Strange has always been him as a supporting character. He's always been in an Avengers book or something like that. You know, he's never, he's never been the main character. Um, it's kind of like... I mean, they're not similar in, in any real measurable way other than their, their magic-ish users. Uh, Constantine's a character in DC that's very much the same for me as Doctor Strange in Marvel in that like, I have never really been a huge fan of them as a standalone hero, but I do like them as a supporting character. So it's um, it wasn't too shocking to me uh, despite it being a good movie, that I the first Doctor Strange just wasn't my favorite, and was near the bottom of the list. 
this one is I don't know where to place it um, because a I haven't given any thought to that in, in five years um, and B uh, like there's so many of those movies now that I, I think it's it's beyond ordered list you know what I mean it, it was one thing during phase one phase two phase three during the infinity war arc to to do that uh, it's a whole other animal now to to try to do it um, since they've gone in such wild different directions and that's something and then you got to roll in the, the shows too like one the last time I did the ordered MCU list the extremely important shows were not included in it and I say extremely important because WandaVision is pivotal in Doctor Strange like the events of WandaVision are absolutely pivotal to understand what goes on with Scarlet Witch in Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness and that's because her character development from the end of Endgame through the show to the Multiverse of Madness is pivotal. If you just watch the movies and never watch the show, you miss big chunks of her development. And she is phenomenal in this. Um, spoilers, like I said, we've, we're, th- this, we're in spoiler territory. Um, she's the villain of the movie. Like... she is the bad guy and it's i mean it's immediately revealed like as soon as she's in the in the in the movie it's like oh yeah i'm the bad guy um because it all goes to deal with america chavez and her multiverse powers um that's the whole plot wanda knows there's a multiverse wanda knows there are universes out there where her kids are real and she is hell-bent on replacing herself in one of those universes. And to the extent, like, when we're talking about multiverse stuff, Loki sets this movie up, you know? Um, I guess Loki also technically set up Spider-Man No Way Home. But the Raimi universe and the Amazing Spider-Man universe already existed. That's one of those things where you just don't want to think too much about it and just enjoy it, right? Um, the Marvel shows are too important to not include in the MCU list, and I just don't want to do that work. I'm, I, I am admittedly too stressed, too busy, too tired, too old to be that kind of nerd who pedantically sits down and creates an ordered list including the shows, especially when I haven't got to watch all the shows yet. I... I haven't got to see Moon Moon Knight. I just last week watched Spider Man No Way or Far From No Way Home. Far From Home? No, No Way Home. That's the newest one. Um, yeah, I. You do a disservice if you don't watch Wandavision before you watch. Um. Multiverse of Madness, and, and that's entirely because, like, the impact of, of Scarlet Witch's journey is lost. Um, 
there's a really great scene early on in the movie where Rachel McAdams' character, whose name is escaping me right now, uh, is getting married. And, you know, in the first movie, she was Strange's love interest. And, and um, he's at the wedding and somebody sits down next to him. I forget the name of the character again. And is talking about how, like, one of the not nearly explored enough in the MCU. And it's because, you know, it, it's something they would have to dive into on the show. There's no way they could devote a movie to it. But the impact of the quote-unquote blip, the snap, you know, um, Thanos snaps his fingers and half the universe, half of all life in the universe disappears for five years. Um... But life went on for the people that didn't disappear. Which means, in the case of this character that sits down next to Doctor Strange and gives kind of gives him shit for giving the stone up and allowing the snap to happen. Um, because remember, that, that was a plot point of Infinity War was uh, Strange saw five billion different variations of how it plays out and the only one where they won was the one where, Thanos, where he handed Thanos the gem. Um the time stone uh and and somehow people know that that that's the thing that one small um plot gap i won't even call it a hole it's just a gap in the plot where it's like how do people know that strange gave the stone up that happened on an alien planet um but he sits down and gives strange shit because he's like you know while I was gone, you did what you did because it was the greater good. But while I was gone, like my cats died and my uncle died. And, and you start thinking, you extrapolate that out. Like how many people have that same story that while, while they're, while they were gone for five years and, and get to come back technically five years younger. Cause they didn't age during that five years. And, and, and think about that nonsense. Like are if you, if you were blipped at 30, are you 35 when you come back or, or, or are you still 30? Um, I mean, I know numerically what we would do as humans would be like, no, you're 35. You were born in 1987, so you're 35. Um, wow, that was a tangent. Um, but how many stories out there worldwide, universe wide, really, um, are of people who come back to find that while they were gone, their, the life they were, you know, paused from uh, went to shit. I mean, they did, they explored it in Hawkeye with with um, why am I forgetting her name? I cannot remember the actress or the characters. Black Widow's sister. <laughs> um, they explored it with her. You know, while she was blipped, while she was Ash, while she was off the timeline, uh, her sister died. Um, I like the exploration of that a whole lot. I'd like to see more of it. Um, they could sprinkle it in throughout, but like I would actually watch a thing about it, to be honest. I would, I would like to see how that plays out on a bigger scale. Um...
Doctor Strange, Benedict, Benedict Cumberpatch. Um, fantastic in this movie. Um, the multiverse self itself is really kind of the star of the show. Uh, and that's what I like the most about it. Like, the MCU has given me every story beat I've wanted, save for a few at this point. Like, at the end of the first Avengers, when Thanos appears in the credit scene, and I knew that we were going to get an Infinity Gauntlet arc out of the Avengers, I was thrilled. Like, I've talked about it at length in the past, written about it. Um, growing up, I didn't get a lot of comic books. You know, I, I didn't have trade paperbacks back then like I do now. Um, I got random issues, so I never got to read whole arcs. But I had, like, issue four, I think it was, of, of the Infinity Gauntlet story. Uh, the one where the actual battle happens and Thanos whoops a lot of heroes' asses and kills most, kills most of them. Um, that story, that comic, I read until the cover fell off and then kept reading it. You know, like, it was just one of my favorite single issues ever. So I was super excited when we got that in the MCU and watched it play out. Um, through Infinity War and Endgame. Um, and then I got Civil War in the midst of that, you know, and um, now we've seen some multiverse stuff. Um, I, I, I love what they've done thus far. Um, I just uh, love that they opened up the multiverse is what I'm getting at. Sorry, the, the phone distracted me when it dinged. Um, one of my favorite parts of comics, DC and Marvel both specifically, um, are that they have different worlds. You know, Earth 3 versus Earth 2 versus Earth 1. Um, Marvel Universe 616 versus the plethora of other universes. Um, and I like that they brought that in in this movie. Um, even name dropping, you know, numerically some of the universes. Um, so like when I, when it was announced that that was what they were going to do with this, when the title was literally multiverse of madness, and then we saw the multiverse itself spring back into life, uh, with Loki, um, I was excited for this movie. I was excited for this movie when it was announced that Sam Raimi was going to direct it uh, because I knew we were going to get a Raimi-ass movie. Or at least I hoped we were going to get a Raimi-ass Doctor Strange movie. And we did. It had the same sort of uh, things you expect from a Raimi movie. It, it was a little less gross than than you would expect, although some people thought it was too gross uh, for a PG-13 rating. Um, I guess in some arguments it... It definitely pushed that boundary, you know, with a giant monster getting its eye gouged out and some of the other stuff that happened in it. But it wasn't overly disgusting or cringy. Like, I, I didn't recoil the way I have in some of Sam's horror movies. You know, there was no tree rape like in the Evil Dead movies. Um, thankfully. Uh, well, that's definitely one of the more distasteful things that Sam's ever done. Uh, very early in his career, obviously. Um, I love this movie. I've seen a lot of people complain about it. I've seen, I, I saw a podcast post the other day that called it the multiverse of meh. Um, 
was it a perfect movie? No. Um, do I think the Illuminati was wasted? No. Um, did I like what happened to them? No. Then that was kind of the point, you know, like it was supposed to be a gut punch that we got John fucking Krasinski as Reed Richards. We got Patrick Stewart as, you know, Charles Xavier in the fucking yellow floating wheelchair from the animated series. And they hit the, the music notes, like the score changed as he rolled into the room to, to reference the 1997 animated series. Like that's chef, chef kiss level, um, of, uh, fan service. Uh, Peggy Carter was back as Haley Atwell was back as Peggy Carter, as Captain Carter from, you know, a live action version of what we saw in the, the what if, uh, animated show. Um, again, those shows folding in so beautifully, uh, we got to see Black Bolt of the Inhumans, admittedly not a, not a franchise that I'm a super big fan of, but it was really cool to see the Illuminati, um, an actual Marvel group that is, you know, not not super referenced, not super well known, brought to life in this way, in such a great fan servicey way, and yeah, it fucking uh, Monica Rambo as a uh, as um Captain Marvel in this universe, um, and it sucked. The Scarlet Witch destroyed them. Like, yeah, it was brutal. Um, it could have been more graphic. Um, you know, Captain Carter getting cut in half with her own shield could have been way more disgusting and graphic than it was but it was bad enough to see it the way they framed it you know they framed it a very pg-13 way um i don't think they were wasted they were utilized in the perfect way to establish or reestablish or confirm however you want to phrase it uh that wanda has lost her damn mind with the dark hold you know she is evil she is the scarlet witch um the prophesized ruler or destroyer uh, you know uh, which I, I really got a kick out of that prophecy because you know prophecies are usually like really on the nose in, in fiction uh, where like there's this vague text and then they're like yeah that means that you're going to be the savior you're going to be the destroyer or whatever this one's like yeah it could be either or she could be a tyrant or the person that ends everything um, The different multiverses, obviously, we didn't spend a ton of time in them. And that's part, you know, that's something that, you know, could have been explored more. Like, you know, we, we basically got like a, a real quick sizzle reel of the multiverse as Strange and, and America Chavez uh, tumbled through them. You know, we got to paint multiverse, the animated multiverse, the one that was super high tech, you know, as they, as they, through the, the different realms. Um, still loved it I, I i love i love multiversal theory i love that aspect of stories uh we've talked about it before on here it's one of the things i love about D is that it's written in the damn core book rule book is that like everyone's home game is a multiverse or is a universe within a wide-ranging multiverse and if like like you applied that writ large that like everyone who's ever played the game that's a multiverse, you know, I just I fucking love multiverse stuff. Uh, so, of course, I love this movie. Um, as I said, it wasn't perfect. Um, we got some fan service that was immediately turned on its head and used against us. Uh, 
which I'm sorry is fucking brilliant. Here, I'm going to give you this thing that you really, 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 really want and then take it away from you. Um, I just hope Disney does more with the multiverse. Um, you know, give me John Krasinski as Reed Richards for real in a show or a movie. Um, I would love to see a Haley Atwell, um, Captain Carter thing. Bring that character back, you know, like just be like, we're talking about infinite multiple universes. It is entirely possible that there are several others out there where these characters exist. You know? Um, hell, Reed Richards, John Krasinski as Reed Richards could absolutely exist within the actual proper 616 Marvel Universe, you know? MCU Universe. Um, that's something the internet talked about forever, that he should be Reed Richards, and then Sam gave it to us. And then beautifully took it away. Um... Wanda as the villain was a brilliant move. Wanda as the villain as the villain ugh, I can't talk. Wanda as the villain was also kind of heartbreaking because I have always liked her portrayal of the Scarlet Witch. I've always liked her story. I've always I've liked her arc the whole way, you know? Um and her end in quotes of the at the end of the movie when she breaks the dark hold. Um, theoretically destroying it across all multiverses uh, was a really cool heroic sacrifice moment. Ultimately, I hope that she's not dead or because we're talking again multiverse stuff that we get another Wanda. I don't know. Um, I thought it was a great movie. Um, Again, not the best movie of all time, not even the best Marvel movie, but I enjoyed it enough that, like, it's up there with the ones that, if I were still buying physical media, it's one I would have bought. Um, Shang-Chi is another one that I would have bought. The last Spider-Man movie, really enjoyed it, really loved it, but I probably would never buy it. Um... Am I saying that the Multiverse of Madness is a better movie than the last Spider-Man movie? You can judge that for yourselves. Um, I enjoyed both of them thoroughly, but only one of them I would really want to own uh, if, again, I were still buying physical media. Um, and then, you know, then we can discuss the, the rationale behind not buying physical media at this point. Um, but for me, it comes down to space and money um, more than ownership. I'd, I would rather own things than have my, That's I digress. Um, Multiverse of Madness gets my seal of approval. I thought it was a fun movie. I really enjoyed it, and I hope that Disney continues to explore uh, the, the multiverse. Um, that's going to end the spoiler section of the podcast. So we got a good 23-minute discussion there. That's not too bad for me to monologue about a movie I love. Um, Real quick, we'll do some news, and then I'll get this posted and get my day started so we can um, get some stuff done around the apartment and have some fun later. Um... News-wise, 
I want to start off by talking about the huge news that came out yesterday that uh, old Elon Musk is quote-unquote pausing his attempt to buy Twitter. Um, as more brilliant minds than me have said, uh, when is the SEC going to investigate this asshole? Uh, because this is not the first time he's done this thing where he he grandstands in a way that affects the stock market and then profits from it. Um, like, was he ever serious about buying Twitter? Or was this a thing to get um, Tesla stock to drop so he could buy it back at a, at a, at a, at a, you know, a gain, you know, um, yeah, Elon Musk gives up the con now that it successfully lowered Tesla stock, which will allow him to buy it back at bargain prices. Um, Again, that was theory, not news. Uh, that, that's why he did it. But at the same time, the, the fucker needs to be uh, investigated. I am looking for news I shared earlier um, in the week that I wanted to discuss. So give me a second. Christopher Walken has been cast as the Emperor in Dune Part 2. I haven't watched Dune Part 1 yet, so I can't really talk about it in any way, shape, or form. Um, Christopher Walken's a fantastic, really bizarre actor, and I'm all for it. Um, let's see. Xbox last weekend uh, had an outage. Um I was completely unaware of it because I don't have Xbox, Game Pass, Gold, whatever, uh, and don't play online. So I was completely unaware that people were affected in such a way. Uh, thankfully, uh, I was able to play what I play without internet access or Microsoft access. That would that would have infuriated me if I don't give them Gold and couldn't play games. Um, and it would. I understand why people are pissed off if. Um, I understand why people would be pissed off if they were paying for a service they couldn't get either. The real thing is, though, is it, it, it brings again that whole always online DRM bullshit that comes up every once in a while. That, like, single-player games should never have an always online d the aspect to them. Like, I get, okay, Xbox Live's out, you can't play Call of Duty with your buddies. You know, you can't play with your COD bros. Um, that sucks. But if I want to play Tomb Raider, Elden Ring, fucking Animal Crossing, I know it's not a Microsoft game, but bear with me. If I want to play a single-player game and I can't play it because the internet servers are down, that's bullshit. Um... Oh, here's one. Uh, Critical Role announced this week, just a couple days ago, uh, that they're going to do from the end of May till the third week of June. So we've got a four-week miniseries uh, set during the Calamity. If you don't understand Critical Role's lore, uh, there was like a big Calamity. Um, World-changing event. Uh, 
you know, like any like 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 a number of good fantasy uh, stories, there was you know peak civilization, and then it was all brought low. Um, they're doing a prequel series, prequel miniseries set during the calamity, which has been like you know this much talked about event in the past of the world they're in. Um, man, yeah, it, uh, that's going to be exciting stuff. Um, Brendan Lee Mulligan's going to be the, the DM, the game master, if you will. Um, he's doing a fantastic job with, um, Legends of the Multiverse right now, uh, on the D&D official channel. Um, he said on this week's episode that he doesn't balance his games based on character level. He balances it based on what makes sense for the world. And, uh, I love that design. Um... Some sales news, uh, the Switch has now surpassed PlayStation 4 in lifetime sales. Um, Let's see. See, this month's news includes an overall decline in video game sales in April. Uh, No shit, people are broke. Gas is expensive. People aren't buying video games. Um, but don't worry, folks. It only dropped to $18.3 billion in the month of April. So I think the video game industry is going to be fine. Uh, lifetime unit sales of the Nintendo Switch um, is makes it the fourth highest selling unit in U.S. history. Um, and the sixth highest unit selling... Sixth highest unit selling video game hardware platform overall. It only trails the PlayStation 2, the Xbox 360, and the Wii. I don't think anyone's ever going to touch the PS2 sales because they're like just astronomical. Um, I like this 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 paragraph right here. Uh, for Sony, the company's PlayStation 5 led April 2022 in hardware dollar sales, mind you, not unit sales, followed closely by the Series X slash S and then the Switch. Uh, the Series X slash S has generated the most hardwood dollar, hardware dollar sales of all three platforms year to date, though, followed by the PS5, then the Switch. If you're wondering how especially with the Switch selling more units than both, it's because the Switch has a cheaper price tag. Um, The Lego Skywalker Saga game is uh, April's best-selling game. Um, Again, multi-platform. Elden Ring was the second best-selling title of April, two months after its release. It remains the best-selling game of the year so far. It's really fucking good, people. I've talked about it endlessly for the last couple weeks. It's really fucking good. Um, 
Oh, Elden Ring has surpassed Call of Duty Vanguard to become the best-selling premium game of the uh, 12-month April-to-April period. Best-selling games of 2022 year-to-date. Elden Ring, Lego Star Wars, Pokemon Legends Arceus, Horizon Forbidden West, MLB The Show 22, Gran Turismo 7, Call of Duty Vanguard, Kirby and the Forgotten Land, Madden NFL 22, and Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. We are in May. And those are the best-selling games of the year so far. I think, and we're going to talk about it briefly... In just a moment, um, we are seeing the effects of the pandemic right now, this year. Um, you know, games have a two to three year, if not longer, development cycle. Uh, the pandemic kicked off in 2020. A lot of people won't work from home. A lot of people, a lot of developers couldn't put the same effort, for better or worse. Um, into games as they normally would and now we're starting to see delays um, you know it took a couple months into 2020 before people got into the swing of how things would work how we could work remote um, how to, to maximize productivity and all those important capitalist terms um, while not being in the office um, Sorry, you could almost hear my eyes roll. Um, but now we're we're kind of back on track in most most industries. If if you're still in an industry that you know is gracious enough to let you continue to work from home, um, a lot of work can be done at home. Like most office jobs don't need to be in a physical office, and I would say game development is one of them. I, I don't know personally. I, I've never worked in game development. But any sort of computer-based job sure as fuck feels like it can be done from home. Um, and now that, you know, we'll, we'll see a recovery. Um, you know, we're going to see more delays. Starfield and Redfall. I said it right. I always want to say Starfall and Redfield. Um, Bethesda has delayed them until the first half of 2023. Uh, they tweet, they put on Twitter uh, an, a nice graphic image, and as Alana Pierce said on her channel, um, at this point in time, anytime you see a developer post a graphic image with a bunch of text, it's going to be a delay. Um, they said, we've made the decision to delay the launches of Redfall and Starfield to the first half of 2023. The teams at Arcane Austin working on Redfall and Bethesda Game Studios working on Starfield have incredible ambitions for their games and we want to ensure that you receive the best most polished versions of them. We want to thank everyone for their excitement for Redfall and Starfield. That energy is a huge part of what inspires us all every day and drives our own excitement for what we are creating. We can't wait to share our first deep dive into the gameplay for both Redfall and Starfield. Thank you for your support. I'm so happy I made it all the way through that without saying Starfall and Redfield. Um, this isn't a surprise. It really isn't. Um, in multiple ways. Uh, not that the industry works this way, but after the debacle that was Cyberpunk 2077, I imagine... 
any studio with any sort of intelligence would delay a game if it's not perfect, you know? Um, now, of course, there is the usual console fanboy bullshit and the usual selfish ass, like, oh, this is disrespectful. They're delaying the game I wanted. Um, let the game be the best game it can be before it comes out. Um, Alana went on on her video and talked about how, like I have always said, and, and it was cool to see her bring up something I have always said, I personally don't feel that a release date should ever, ever be given until the game's ready. Um, or within, you know, you know, the end of the road's in sight. Um, announcing a game a year, two years out, it's going to come out November 11th, 2022, uh, is always, in my estimation, as a as a enjoyer of this hobby, uh, is, is a terrible idea because you end up with this. Oh, shit. It's May of 2022. We're not going to make that release date in six months. Let's just go ahead and delay it now. We know we're not going to make it. Let's delay it now. Um, Whereas Bethesda themselves did the awesome thing with Fallout 4 where, you know, they kind of teased it and we we had an assumption that they were working on it. But the day they announced it, it was like three, four months away from coming out. Like, that's the way you do it. Um, Get the game complete, close to complete. And then market the fuck out of it. Um, now, that would be the perfect utopian world where the stock market and shareholders and capitalism aren't involved. Um, because of that bullshit, we have to have this thing where companies put out a forecast of this game's coming out this month of this year and this month of this year and this month of this year so you can expect profits blah 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 bullshit 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 capitalism sucks um ruins everything uh, capitalism has the reverse Midas touch anytime it's involved it fucking turns everything to shit eventually uh it might be gold painted shit but it's still shit so instead we get this sort of thing and I'm fine with it. I've said many, many times, um, I want ethical work environments for game developers. I want them to, I want them to create their art that I enjoy in a manner that does not destroy them. You know, I don't want to read about eighty-hour work weeks taking place in the development of a game I love. Like it, it ruins my enjoyment of a thing. Like, do I still enjoy it? Yes, but it taints it. It puts a black cloud over it or a smudge on it or or burns the edges. How, whatever analogy, descriptive turn of phrase you want to use. Red Dead Redemption 2 is arguably my favorite game of all time, and I hate the development of it. You know, like, there's so much I like about that game that could have been gone away with if it had a, a more leisurely, comfortable development cycle. Um... I don't want any developer to suffer for the art that I enjoy. It's just not cool. It's unethical, and it makes me super sad. 
to to put it in very um, lighthearted terms. It makes me sad when I find out something I enjoy was made through suffering. Excuse me. I'm, I don't know what it is of late. In the morning, I wake up snotty. I don't know if it's because I'm getting old or what. Um, and it always, like, around this time in the morning is when I need to start blowing my nose. I've been up for two hours, and, and then now I need to blow my nose. Um, kudos to Bethesda for the delays. It's the smart move. We'll get better games, hopefully, out of it. You know, like... Like we learned with Cyberpunk. It needed, like, another year of development. Um, if it had been given six, seven, eight, nine, twelve months more development time, we might have had the game we wanted when it came out. Um, but we didn't get that, did we? Um, let's take a look at the remaining release schedule real quick before we move on. Um, we've got two weeks left in May, so let's see what's slated to come out. Uh, Evil Dead came out yesterday, Friday the 13th. That was perfect. Um, Vampire the Masquerade Swan Song comes out May 19th. I don't know what that one is. Hard Space Shipbreaker comes out to PC on May 24th. Nino Kuni Cross Worlds phone game and PC on May 25th. Sniper Elite 5, May 26th. Pac-Man Museum, SnowRunner, Cow the Kangaroo. Uh, in June, we have Card Shark, Diablo Immortal, which is the phone game. Um, remember that? What, you guys don't have phones? Um, the Demon Slayer game comes to Switch on June 10th. Mario Strikers Battle League comes out the same day. You know what? I'm not a soccer or football fan in that regard, uh, but I am interested in that um, because Mario sports games are always just pretty fun um starship troopers has a video game coming out on pc terran command i'm gonna guess it's a real-time strategy uh the quarry comes out on ps5 xbox series x playstation 4 xbox one pc on june 10th the shadow run trilogy comes out on all the home consoles on june 21st kind of interested in that kind of not uh i always wanted to play shadow run games um but they also look like the kind of thing I wouldn't enjoy. Like I look like I, it looks like something I would enjoy the story of, but not the actual gameplay. Wreckfest comes to the Switch on June twenty first. Um, I'm just skimming through it. I'm not reading every single thing. Um, Saints Row still slated to come out August 23rd. See if we make that. Forspoken still slated to come out October 11th. Uh, Gotham Knights coming out October 25th. Of note, uh, they announced this week that Gotham Knights will no longer have PlayStation 4 and Xbox One versions. It'll be PlayStation 5 and Series X S only. Um, we'll talk about that in just a second. Okay, those are the games that of note that 
have release dates. December, Stalker 2, Hello Neighbor 2. Um, personally disappointed in um, the decision to remove the old console versions of Gotham Knights um, because by the time Gotham Knights comes out in October I will not have a new console I know this um, so it is disheartening to see that we are at this point where we have started dropping off of the old consoles already um, it's particularly disappointing because you know this entire this entire console cycle has taken place thus far in a pandemic um, with supply shortages and issues like that and yet we are already at the point where they're like yeah we can just do away with the people that are playing the old games or the old console you know gas is four dollars and fifty cents a gallon or higher in most places uh wages haven't gone up people are suffering you can't get fucking formula if you have a baby um which is really fucking nefarious when you consider the forced birth movement um, can't feed your kid, but you gotta have it. Um, anyway, uh, I digress. Um, I'm, I'm disappointed in it, because I like the Arkham games. I was looking forward to playing as Red Hood and Nightwing and stuff, and, uh, now I won't be, uh, because I won't have the means to play it. Um, I know we reached this point eventually and it is ultimately better for the games when um that happens you know when we get to the point when they don't have to make the previous generation version of games um you know because like i've been loving elden ring but it plainly doesn't run as good on the xbox one as it would on a series x that's fact like, you can look side-by-side side between my stream of it versus someone who's streaming a PlayStation 5 version of it or a Series X version of it or the PC version of it, and you can see astronomical differences in the quality of the experience. You know, I have frame rate issues. I have draw distance issues. And not with the environment, but with, like, things you can see in the environment, like enemies, for example. Uh, not that anything pops up right in your face, unless it's supposed to. Um... But there is a definite visual difference where, like, you can see, like, where the animation becomes stuttery and choppy versus where it's smooth um, on the Xbox One version of the game. Still love the game. Um, still probably going to be my game of the year at this point. Um, spoilers for, you know, six months from now. Um, but it... uh Yeah, it, it's ridiculous that that um, we're already at this point when so many people can't get their hands on the fucking consoles, can't afford it, or if they can't afford it, they can't find it. Uh, because I know several people who have had the money multiple different times to buy a PlayStation 5 or an Xbox Series X and can't find one. Um, It's just absurd at this point to be to to already be at the point where they're we're cutting out the people that like myself um, that are uh, 
still with last gen consoles and have no hope of getting it. Like that that's something I I talked briefly a, a two tweet exchange with a friend of mine when I I d- expressed my disappointment in the decision to cut out Arkham and he was like, "Well, you know, it's for the best, blah blah blah. You know, these last gen versions are are running poorly and and it's hurting the the current gen versions." And I said, "Yeah, that's that's spoken like someone who has a next gen console." Like, of course it's for the best for you. Um, and honestly, I would I would personally find it for the best for me if I had a Series X. But I would also be like, yeah, that really does suck for the people that are left behind. Because this is two console cycles where I've been left behind. Um, you know, the 360 I got pretty early on, and it lasted, that generation lasted so long that it, it didn't really feel like I was left out. Um, but it took me a good year and a half, two years to get the Xbox One, and it's been almost two to almost two years at this point. It will be over two years before I can get my hands on um a Series X or PlayStation 5 due to, you know, supply chain and money issues. Um, you know, because like I, like I was saying, I, I said it on a, a post I made about the uh, the upcoming Fizzband's Treasury of Dragons D&D set. They, they put out a, a collector's box that has at least one of every one of the minis that are, are part of that set. And it's like a seven, $750 set. Um... I would buy it in a heartbeat if I had $700 free. But also, if I had $700 free, I would throw it at a couch first. You know, like, as we were discussing at the very beginning of this podcast, you know, one of my issues day-to-day is loneliness, but, like, I can't have people visit me here. I have one fucking chair in my apartment, you know, and I need to replace it because it's starting to fall apart. Um... Even if I had seven, eight, nine, a thousand dollars, twelve hundred dollars, I have other purchases I need to make before I can think about an Xbox or a set of miniatures that are all dragons and really cool that I want. You know what I mean? Like it's, it just sucks. Um, and it's real easy to sit back and go like, well, this is for the best when you're not one of the ones that has to deal with the consequences of like, oh, I can't play new games now, huh? That's, that's where we're at. Um, Speaking of new games, PlayStation says their first-party games would quote-unquote deteriorate if they launched onto PS Plus on day one the way Xbox Game Pass does. Um, Hiroki Totoki, PlayStation executive, recently told investors in a Sony financial call that uh, the quality of its first-party games would deteriorate if released onto the company's PlayStation Plus subscription service on launch day. This comes out of Eurogamer. Uh, I'm reading it off game informer um he says he doesn't want to make comments on the competitor strategy with the likely competitor being microsoft and its game pass services uh but um the the first party games would deteriorate as we know xbox releases its first party games onto the game pass on launch day and it's a big pull for the service i mean it's the thing i love the most about it i mean one of the things i love the most about it um the PS Plus revamp will not launch first-party games there. 
Uh, I will refrain from making comments on the competitive strategy, he told investors. Our current thinking is to have development cost and appropriate R&D investment for quality products, and that will improve the platform and also improve the business in the long run. AAA-type titles on PS5, if we distribute that on the subscription services, we may need to shrink investment needed for that, and that will deteriorate the first-party title quality, and that is our concern. So we want to make sure we spend the appropriate development cost to have solid products, titles, be introduced in the right manner. Profit. Money, 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 money. It's not about quality. I, I don't buy that for a fucking second. Um, once again, capitalism. Uh, Eurogamer notes elsewhere in the financial call, he said that PlayStation plans to increase software development expenses aimed at strengthening first-party software uh, by roughly $308 million a year. Um, going forward, we aim to grow the game business by strengthening our first-party software and, de- and deploying that software on multiple platforms, you know, because they are starting to put stuff out on PC finally. I like saying we don't want to do what Microsoft's doing without saying we don't want to do what Microsoft's doing. Um, Another game coming in early 2023, Dead Space, the remake. Uh, Motive and EA revealed that the upcoming Dead Space remake will be released at the start of next year, currently targeting a January 27th, 2023 release date. I can't believe, I cannot believe Dead Space 1 came out in 2008. Wow. I am excited for that one. Um, hopefully by well no, I'm, I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna put that in out there. I'm gonna keep my optimism quiet. because um, sometimes when you speak things into existence you scare them away. Um, it's kinda like when you say, I'm really thankful to have you in my life and then they break up with you. Um I'm excited for the Dead Space remake. Um, one of the things, honestly, speaking of that, that, that bums me out about not having Game Pass right now is I was enjoying Mass Effect. It's been you know a couple months since I played it, but like I was I was enjoying replaying the Mass Effect trilogy. Um, we'll get back to it. Uh, Ooblets is coming to Nintendo Switch. Talking about the May 2020 Indie World Showcase. <clears throat> um. I haven't played Ooblets yet. Uh, it looks interesting, but also it just you know I had I had plenty of um, Animal Crossing style games in 2020, 2021. Um, it's a cute farming slash life simulation game where you control a highly customizable character to grow Ooblets upon Ooblets, which are these weird like living vegetable animal things that dance. Um, I have not watched this Indie World presentation, by the way. I'm just reading the article here. Um, Soundfall is a musical shooter. Wild Frost looks like a, yep, tactical roguelike deck builder. I'm just not into card games. Even digital card games. Uh, Totally accurate battle simulator is coming to Switch, which is interesting. 
Um, it ran really rough on Xbox One. I hope it runs better on Switch. Uh, totally accurate battle simulator. It has scenarios and stuff, but it's, to me, the fun was just Vikings against ninjas with woolly mammoths. You know, like the absurd combat you could put in. Um, Gunbrella, a noir punk action adventure game. Comes in 2023. Silt. Monochrome Oceanic World. So it looks like Limbo, but underwater. That could be interesting. Okay. This game called Wayward Strand, which is about a floating hospital airship in rural 1970s Australia, um, brings to point someone, uh, Gabe Hicks, uh, tweeted this week about, you know, lots of tabletop RPGs and fantasy settings have airships, but so few have trains. And I forget the extent of his take on it, um, I think it was grounded in the fact that trains, you know, have existed forever in the real world. Uh, my personal take on why airships are so cool in, in video games and role-playing games and whatnot is that uh, we don't have giant flying ships. We have airplanes. And, you know, scientifically speaking and, and whatnot, airplanes are plenty cool. But we don't have these big, like blimps are the closest thing we ever had to airships. You know, in fact, they often called them airships in the real world. Um, but we don't have these big, like galleon style ships with sails that fly through the sky at like a leisurely pace. Um, you know, it's like I talked about a couple weeks ago with Spelljammer. What makes Spelljammer so much cooler to me than just like Starfinder or any sort of sci-fi based tabletop game is the absurdity of flying a sailing vessel into space. That's what makes it fun and interesting and cool to me. And that's why I like airships because like as cool as like a big star destroyer is floating through space or through the atmosphere um, on its way to space it just looks really cool to have an old wooden sailing vessel flying through the sky. I like airships. That's just me. Cult of the Lamb is the game that they uh, talked about at this indie thing that I love the most. Um, Massive Monsters Cult of the Lamb continues to look great, melding together roguelike action gameplay that looks and feels a lot like Hades with an Animal Crossing-style base-building mechanic. I'm sold. Hades was great. Probably my favorite roguelike of all time, um, or roguelite, depending on who you're talking to. Um, you know, I've talked about it. I've said this a lot today. I've talked about it before. Um, I like, to an extent, a quality game where you run out into the world 
and you do some stuff, you die, and then you slowly make progress. Um, Dreamcatcher was or Dream Dreamscaper uh, is a great one that's available right now on Game Pass that I'm missing. Um, that slow, steady development is pretty fun to an to a point. Like with Hades, I beat the game twice. Uh, it took me like sixty runs to do it, and the story wasn't over but i was done playing it by then um so there's a there's a balance you know um dead cells was a a a great side scroller one of those um that i never beat i I never finished a run of it uh i got to the last level a handful of times but ultimately like the magic dies eventually but it was a really fun game uh, uh, what was that? Um, Skull came out last year. Uh, another great one. Um, fell off of it quicker uh, because that style of gameplay doesn't last forever for me. But I think the base building mechanic might make Cult of the Lamb work for me in a way similar to the way that Moonlighter did. Where like Moonlighter was all about um, collecting resources, coming back, selling them, upgrading yourself, upgrading your community, and then going back into the dungeon and get, you know, um, Children of Morta had a, a, had a good loop in that way too. Um, some of those games have a really excellent loop that keep me coming back. And I think Cult of the Lamb's going to be one of those. Uh, I love the art style. I love this, you know, cult building mechanic. Um, it's due out sometime this year. Uh, I hope it actually makes its, its launch date. Um, I think that's going to cover it news-wise for me. Um, Double-checking. But yeah, I think that's the news. And I think that's going to be this week's show. Uh, we came in at over an hour today. Wow, we haven't done that in a while. We've come close to an hour. Uh, but we got a good hour, you know, a good 20-minute conversation about Multiverse of Madness. Some news, some light anti-capitalism ranting. Um, good episode overall, in my opinion. Thank you for listening to me ramble for an hour and 15 minutes. Um, I truly do appreciate it. The, uh, five or six of you that listen to the show on the regular, um, I'm going to wrap stuff up, get this uploaded, go get myself cleaned up. I'm going to play Animal Crossing by myself for a little bit. And then I am going to take care of some adulting. Yay, I got laundry to do. And like I said, recycling to maybe take out. Um, You know, if I get it in my car, I will certainly get rid of it. Um, Store to run to. Bank to run to when they open in about an hour and a half. Um, So yeah, that is going to be my morning. We'll be back later today, the 14th of May. uh, Saturday afternoon, evening. Uh, We're going to pick up with... Elden Ring, uh, stream it for a little bit, and then Sunday we will stream more. Um, I've got to do some D&D planning, some mini painting and stuff this weekend as well. I've got a full weekend on my plate, assuming nothing else comes up that is more enjoyable. Um, You can find me all over the internet. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, uh, we have a subreddit. We have a Discord. Uh, you can support us via Coffee, Patreon, and on Twitch. 
Obviously, because you can support us there, that's where we do our live streams, twitch.tv slash polynerdic. Polynerdic.com is the main website where this goes up every Saturday. Um, And then when I remember to post the streaming stuff that's been archived and put on YouTube, you can find it there. Um, You also find it on YouTube, as I just alluded to. But thank you for listening. I got to get my day started. Uh, I will see you next week right here on the Or Nerdinary podcast, polynerdic.com's weekly nerd-centric life and culture podcast for adults. As always, I have been your ordinary nerdy host, Shad, wishing you a good weekend, a good week, a good day, sir, (laughs) ma'am. And I will. I'm sorry. I love good day, sir. Um, Gene Wilder, Willy Wonka. I said good day. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I gotta go. I gotta go. Uh, the caffeine's kicking in, so I gotta get myself moving. Um, I will see you next week or later on the stream. We'll see. Have a good one. Till next time. <laughs>